Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is RFC World War III, published by Adam Zerner on March 1, 2022 on Less Wrong. You should ignore the news unless it's of historic import. Russia's invasion of Ukraine constitutes an event of historic import. Russia has invaded Ukraine. One could argue for an even stronger position. You should ignore the news unless it 1. affects you and 2. there is something that you could do about it. I'm trying to think about whether 1 and 2 are true. Like most of us, I have some thoughts, but ultimately I'm not a geopolitics person and don't really know what I'm talking about. And so, this post is a request for comments 1. not an authoritative write-up. May as well start now. Suppose we have the best case scenario, the war ends, tensions disappear, and we all go back to our lives. How long will that last? How long until tensions get serious again? One year? Five? Ten? Twenty-five? Fifty? One hundred? I lean towards the earlier end of that spectrum. Eighty thousand hours would guess the chance of a nuclear war is two to twenty percent in the next two hundred years. Using that as a jumping-off point, the chance of tensions developing enough where the threat is notable seems like it'd be a lot higher, especially given the current invasion. Even if your estimate is towards the later end of the spectrum, it still seems like the sort of thing we will need to deal with in our lifetimes at some point. So then, any effort spent educating oneself and preparing right now probably won't be wasted. It's like buying honey for your pantry, it doesn't expire, and you know you will use eventually. Decide what level of risk you are okay with ahead of time. There has been some talk about this in the context of COVID. That you should decide ahead of time at what level of case counts you'd be okay with returning to for example outdoor dining. What level for indoor dining? What level for large indoor gatherings? Because if you don't, you risk some sort of status quo bias. And similarly, you risk the boiling frog thing happening to you. The case counts just slowly get lower and lower and lower, but each change is too small gradual to get you to take action. I think a similar principle makes sense in the context of nuclear risk. I could see tensions escalating, and escalating, and escalating, and escalating, but each escalation seems too small to justify an action like moving from the city to the country. To guard against this, I think it'd make sense to have some, preferably quantitative, idea in your mind about when you would take various actions. What can an individual actually do to lower their risk? I don't have a great grasp on this question, but I can think of a few things. Moving to a remote location. I'm thinking of remote islands like Tristan da Cunha that are apparently inhabitable and sustainable. Making a move like this would be a pretty extreme option, so the risk would have to justify it but it's hard for me to imagine a remote location like this getting hit by a nuke. And who knows, if you look on the bright side, maybe it'd be a good change of pace and life experience. Moving to a different country. What I have in mind here are places like Iceland and South Africa. It wouldn't be quite as safe as living in a remote location, but it seems to me that countries like these are significantly safer than places like the US and Western Europe. Moving to the countryside. As an example, I live in Portland, Oregon right now. Which is a city. If I moved out east to the countryside, or even to a place like Bend, Oregon, judging by maps like these and these, I'd be a lot safer, because Portland is more of a target. This probably wouldn't be as safe as moving to a different country, but moving to a different country would be a lot more inconvenient. Building a bomb shelter. Imagine that you are interested in self-defense. You could learn how to punch and kick and wrestle and fight. That would improve your chances if you did end up in an altercation. But you know what would really improve your chances? avoiding the altercation in the first place. That is the analogy that comes to my mind when I think about bomb shelters. They feel to me like learning to punch and kick. I suppose it's not a bad idea and it might prove useful, 
but it also seems like you'd get a lot more mileage out of avoiding the situation to begin with. Buy useful items. I only looked into this very briefly. Hazmat suits are something I thought of, but it seems that the bigger risk is from ingesting dangerous particles. Particles that touch your skin aren't as big a deal, and normal clothing that covers your skin will probably suffice. Also these suits aren't really enough to protect you from radiation to a significant extent. Masks might be somewhat helpful. My initial impression is that I'm skeptical of their usefulness, but I'm not sure. Some rough F math. Let's try to look at the question of how much different levels of risk costs. Take a look at this graph. The top row is how likely you are to get attacked. The left column is how likely you are to die, assuming you got attacked. The resulting values assume that you value life at the standard $10 million, and show how much the risk of getting attacked costs. Half 1 5th 1 10th 1 100th 1 slash 1k 1 slash 10k 1 slash 100k 1 1 1.8 million dollars 900,000 dollars 90,000 dollars 9,000 dollars 900 dollars 90 dollars. There's a lot more to say about calculating the costs and factoring various things into, but the goal here is to just keep it simple and get a rough picture. How would you use this information? Well, think of it like this. Maybe you estimate that moving to Greenland moves you from 50%, 1 tenth, to 90%, 1 slash 1k. Because tensions escalated from where they are as of February 28, 2022, let's suppose. According to the table, you'd be saving $491,000 by making that move. So you have to ask yourself whether the inconvenience is worth that amount of money. Seems like something of a close call. Personally, I place a much higher value on life than that standard $10 million value. I elaborate on it here, but the value I use is $10 billion, not $10 million. Let's see what the graph looks like if we use that as our value on life. Actually, for easy reference, let's do this. Value of life, $10 million. Half 1 5th 1 10th 1 100th 1 slash 1k 1 slash 10k 1 slash 100k 1 slash 1k 1 dollars 1.8 million dollars 900,000 dollars 90,000 dollars 9,000 dollars 900 dollars 90 dollars value of life 100 million dollars half 1 5th 1 10th 1 100th 1 slash 1k 1 slash 10k 1 slash 100k 1 percent 500,000 dollars 200,000 dollars 100,000 dollars 10,000 dollars 1,000 dollars 100 dollars 10 dollars 10 percent 5 million dollars 2 million dollars 1 million dollars 100,000 dollars 10,000 dollars 1,000 dollars 100 dollars 50 percent 25 million dollars 10 million dollars 5 million dollars 500,000 dollars 50,000 dollars 5,000 dollars 500 dollars 90 percent 45 $5 million, $18 million, $9 million, $900,000, $90,000, $9,000, $900. Value of life, $1 billion. 
half one fifth one tenth one one hundredth one slash one k one slash ten k one slash one hundred k one percent five million dollars two million dollars one million dollars one hundred thousand dollars ten thousand dollars one thousand dollars one hundred dollars ten percent fifty million dollars twenty million dollars ten million dollars one million dollars one hundred thousand dollars ten thousand dollars one thousand dollars fifty percent two hundred fifty million dollars one hundred million dollars fifty million dollars five million dollars five hundred thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars five thousand dollars ninety percent four hundred fifty million dollars one hundred eighty million dollars ninety million dollars nine million dollars nine hundred thousand dollars ninety thousand dollars nine thousand dollars value of life ten billion dollars half one fifth one tenth one one hundredth one slash one k one slash ten k one slash one hundred k one percent fifty million dollars twenty million dollars ten million dollars one million dollars one hundred thousand dollars ten thousand dollars one thousand dollars ten percent five hundred million dollars two hundred million dollars one hundred million dollars ten million dollars one million dollars one hundred thousand dollars ten thousand dollars fifty percent two point five billion dollars one billion dollars five hundred million dollars fifty million dollars five million dollars five hundred thousand dollars fifty thousand dollars dollars 90% 4.5 billion dollars 1.8 billion dollars 900 million dollars 90 million dollars 9 million dollars 900 thousand dollars 90 thousand dollars focusing on what matters so far there are a few distinct questions i've laid out how much do you value life how much do you value not having to move to x or take whatever other action how likely is it that you get attacked how likely is it that you die in an attack the answers to number 1 and number 2 are personal 3 the answers to number 3 and number 4 are hard to figure out. That's something I'd like to comment on, actually. It's been said before, but when things are hard to figure out, you still have to make your best guess and go with it. It's tempting to think this is too hard, I don't know how to think about or estimate this. But what's next? Go on with your life? Follow the herd? Each of those is an action. The reason to take an action is because it is your best guess as to what is optimal. Maybe your best guess is to continue with your life or follow the herd, but you should take those actions because it is your best guess, not because it is the default for. Anyways. I think questions number 3 and number 4 are the ones that are most relevant, in a sense. Those are the questions that are moving. Your answers to number 1 and number 2 are what they are. They're important, but they're static, so once you have your answers you don't need to continue thinking about them. On the other hand, your answers to number 3 and number 4 will change as the situation, de-evolves, and as they change, it might become worth taking various actions, like moving to Iceland. Again, I usually try to ignore the news, but this is an exception. This is a situation where the news actually might affect you in such a way that is important and where you can do something about it. Estimating the risk. One approach for this would be to think about it from first principles. Educate oneself. Have conversations with friends and fellow rationalists. Iterate. Etc. This doesn't seem like a very fruitful approach to me. I'm not sure how to articulate why, exactly, but it just feels like the sort of situation where approach number two of trusting the experts would make more sense. One way to think about it is rationality skills versus domain-specific knowledge. It feels like the sort of thing that would require a lot of domain-specific knowledge, knowledge that takes years and years and years to accumulate. Rationality skills are certainly important, but I'd expect there to be smart people in the field with something like an 8 tenths in rationality skills and 10 tenths in domain-specific knowledge, and that seems like it'd win out over a 10 tenths in rationality skills and 4 tenths in domain-specific knowledge. I might be wrong though, and this is a very important, and interesting, question. My confidence in approach number 2 over approach number 1 here is maybe something like 70-80%. to 80%. More qualitatively, I have a decent feeling about it, but wouldn't feel particularly surprised if I was wrong. 
Also, to be clear, I'm not trying to say that it is an either-or sort of thing. In reality it makes sense to incorporate various sources of information and opinion, including one's own gears level understanding. I'm more so trying to pose the question of which direction it makes sense to lean, and how strong we should be leaning in that direction. My sense of the answer to that question is that we should lean in the direction of domain experts moderately strongly, but also keep an eye on smart people who aren't in the field have to say. And on markets like Metaculus. Finding the right experts. Let's suppose we are doing what I just described and leaning towards approach number two. I think the first step there is to find the right experts to follow. I want to be clear, in advocating for approach number two over approach number one, I'm not saying that any old expert will do. And I'm certainly not saying to just blindly listen to and follow what various governmental organizations tell you. Following Z's commentary on COVID over the years, wow, plural, I've began putting a pretty small amount of weight behind what they say. What I am advocating for is finding some experts who seem particularly dependable and following them. How does one do that? Good question. It's a very practical question in this situation, and a very interesting question more generally. My instinct says to find some PhD students to talk to. Hop on a call, get a feel for the landscape, and iterate from there. They're more likely to talk to you than actual professors, and are smarter than undergrads. Or maybe it's the signal-to-noise ratio. I'm sure there are some great undergrads out there. I also want to note that the word sum is plural. I think it's important to hear from multiple sources. Once you hear the same thing being advocated for from various directions, it's usually a pretty good sign. Another approach is to use one's network. Ask friends, family and coworkers if they know anyone smart in the geopolitics space. And that's just one degree of separation away from you. From there you can iterate. Continuing the processes, and traversing the social network. Similarly, we have each other. Less wrong. We're a network of people. A community. There's thousands of us. We're probably relatively well connected. Focused on the tech industry, sure, but there's gotta be geopolitics people out there. Or people who know geopolitics people. If that's you, please speak up. Smile. On the other hand, perhaps there is currently a place in the rationalist community where high-quality conversation, on questions number three and number four, is already happening. Anyone know? I'm not seeing much on. If it is private, I'd appreciate a DM. The unit of caring. As Eliza explained, money is the unit of caring. I wonder what throwing money at the problem would get us. I wonder how assurance contracts could be utilized. Survival experts. I've been talking about this idea of finding experts to help us with questions number three and number four, but it might also be helpful to find experts who can address questions of what actions are even valuable in the first place. Maybe moving to Greenland isn't actually helpful. Or maybe it is helpful but building a bunker or something would be more convenient and just as helpful. Maybe there are important actions I'm not aware of. I spent some amount of hours googling around for this stuff, but I wasn't very happy with the quality of content I came across. It was a lot of clickbait Y posts, amateurish blogs, and blogs from wacky-seeming people. RFC. Again, this post is a request for comments. Hopefully I said a few useful things, but I'm not too optimistic that I have. My main goal here is to start a conversation and continue the process of figuring this out together, with a focus on what actions would be instrumentally useful for us to take. Thanks for listening. To help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.